Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Now, this month we're going to be talking about the right use of magical power. And for this talk, I'm going to recommend, uh, if you can, uh, please have a Tree of Life diagram nearby. And it's preferable if you have one that has the paths labeled with the Hebrew letters and the tarot attributions that are connected with them. Uh, it'll be a handy reference as we go through this today. Now, um, probably many people approach magical studies uh, at the outset when they're first getting into it with the intention of developing their own personal power. There's uh, so much mythology, um, you know, in literature and in uh, even in our our actual culture of magical orders and things like that. That um, there's so much that relates to the um, accrual of power. The uh, the building up of the ability to control things or change things with our with our magical force. And so no surprises there. But I think one of the main problems that we see, and I bet everyone listening to this has encountered this in themselves or perhaps in someone else, is that at the time we begin our magical path, by definition, we don't have the kind of insight into the distinction between ego drives and more spiritually informed superconsciousness, uh, the higher self, the the consciousness of the holy guardian angel, that sort of thing. We we don't have that at the beginning. So, the sense of acquiring power is, with very rare exceptions, going to be uh, very ego driven, and um, the pitfalls that are associated with that, I think, are are going to be things we we touch on. Um, as we go through, and if you reflect on your own experience with this, uh, I think you'll make some connections. Now, in order to avoid these kinds of pitfalls, our ultimate goal in regard to magical power could be framed as equilibrating the five and the six. Um, now, I'm expressing the five and the six here as equilibrating Geburah and Tefereth. Now, um, the method of doing this, the method of this equilibration, amounts to finding the right relationship between the ego and the self, between the ruach and the neshama, between the adept and the angel, such that the emerging spiritually informed deep conscience and knowledge of the true will become the compass by which magical power is directed. Now, let me say something about the nature of will, first of all, the nature of the true will, um, related to the Sephiroth I'm discussing here. Geborah is the seat of personal will. Um, we experience the will as personal and unique, individualized, uh, and this is um, the Ruach consciousness of, of the will. Okay, But ultimately, at a fairly advanced stage of the work, post-knowledge and conversation, we become uh, much more consciously aware that we are just a particularized expression of universal will, that the thing we have known as our, quote-unquote, our true will uh, is simply the universal will in action through the vessel of our lives, and we'll relate this later on to the, the karma yoga work of the Adeptus Major. Um, when fully realized, the things I'm discussing here are, are very advanced. They're, 
these correspond to the mysteries of Gabor and Chesed, of the Adeptus Major and Adeptus Exemptus of AA. But let's look at how we got here. How, how do we walk the path up to this level of attainment? And we'll start with Malkuth and look at the way that magical power is accessed and developed from the beginning. Now, long before the magician attains to the full magical power of Gaborah, uh, he has to face the trials of the Sephiroth and the paths below Teferoth. To a great extent, this involves the equilibration of the elements, fire, earth, air, and water, that correspond to the Sephiroth. You can also think of this as that psychological balancing of the four Jungian functions of thinking, feeling, sensation, and intuition. I've talked about it uh, in that light before. Um, but in any case, the important thing to note here is that the whole system begins with equilibration. And therefore, the gradually building um, magical force that we're accessing occurs only in the context of, occurs safely uh, in the AA, only in the context of um, this equilibration uh, within ourselves. Now, the, the capstone of this pre-Tefereth training in terms of the relationship to magical power is the work of the Path of Pei. This is the, uh, the Tower Atu in, in the Thoth deck. Um, and this is the magician's first encounter with planetary Mars uh, in, in the path. Uh, it's also the first reciprocal path, the horizontal path on the tree. Um, now, Mars obviously is associated with Gaborah, and when we talk about magical force, one way of understanding that is is the so-called Mars force, the, the life power. Um, so what we do with Mars all along the way in our training is going to be uh, hugely important. So here at the Path of Pei, we encounter um, this force... Uh, face-to-face -face for the, the first time uh, in our path. Now, this is the path that connects the intellect of Hode and the desire and aspiration of Netzach. Uh, another implication here is that we have to consciously apply the intellect in order to choose and define the object of desire. The right use of this aspiration and pure desire of Netzach is achieved by the intellectual apprehension of Hode, of the uh, appropriate goal. The completed work of Malkuth, Yesod, and their related paths is now balanced by Pei, just as the magical force is simultaneously stepped up a notch with the increased activity of the Svadhisthana Chakra, and that's the path to which uh, Pei is attributed, of course. So the magician's growing power is automatically held in check by the balance inherent in the tree itself when the path is properly worked. Um, furthermore, the passage of the path of Pei is a safeguard against the power drive taking a predominant role in the advance toward Tefereth. One who quests after the angel with the main goal of increasing their personal egoic power is blocked from true mastery of this path. For the nature of the path itself, um, as you can see in the Tauratu, is the overturning of such ideas. Um, these ideas that bind, confuse, and otherwise subvert direct apprehension of the true order of the universe. More on that later. The passage of the path of pay, therefore, is, um, is one of purifying and consecrating the aspirant's magical power at the microcosmic level, preparing him for the eventual attainment of increased influx of power, 
uh, at the Ferrith via the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel in a safe and constructive manner. Now, we've all seen examples of tyrannical behavior uh, in our socio-political history, uh, in our present times, and you don't have to look very hard to see that this is evidence of the dangers of misperceived and misapplied personal power. In these cases, we see that um, the power drive is used as an exercise of personal dominance, or alternately, the aggressive and destructive impulses are projected onto the quote-unquote other. This might be another person, another country, another racial or ethnic group, um, some form or another of humanity that we can conceive of as the enemy. And uh, we've touched on this in other segments um, related to the shadow projection. And, and we do this projection uh, as a rationalization for our own intolerance and aggression. So the ordeal of the path of pay being accomplished, the magician strives onward toward Tefereth. And at this point, that is the one visible goal uh, at this stage of the work. And sure enough, Mars rears its head again here. The approach to Tefereth is guarded by two additional paths, both Mars-related, uh, which impinge on the development of magical power in the aspirant. The first of these paths is the path of Ayin, the devil, in the tarot. And the second is the path of Noon, the, the death, Atu, in the tarot. Uh, let's talk about Ayin first. Now, the, the path of Ayin, the ordeal here, uh, and this is Capricorn, in which Mars is exalted. Um, the, the ordeal here includes the development of the consciousness of the transcendent divine reality behind the appearance of evil. As long as we continue to project the dualistic ideas of good and evil onto the world, we are unable to develop tools for responsible use of our own power. And these tools include things like uh, the ability to refine our conscience in accordance with the true will, such that our exercise of power is truly in service to the world around us. Um, Knee-jerk judgments of others and the resulting dualistic thought and behavior patterns tend to steer us toward one-sided use of power. Typically, I think you'll find, to diminish the ego's discomfort with whatever we've said is evil. So simply labeling things as evil feeds the ego's sense of separateness and feeds the trap that we're in at this point. If we keep trying to act out on those things we've labeled as evil, we don't ever have access to our full uh, magical power. The ordeal of the Path of Noon, which is uh, Scorpio, ruled by Mars, requires a similarly uncomfortable task in terms of the ego, um, and that is one of surrender to a higher authority and the letting go of the illusion of ego mastery. Uh, in other words, we face the death of the I, essentially, and we've worked so hard to cultivate this throughout our lives uh, to figure out who we are and to strengthen and empower who we are. Then all of a sudden we realize that that's not the real us after all, and the ego doesn't care for that very much. Um, but here again are the keys to the right use of power. As long as we cling to the ego, our actions are driven by fear. Uh, the fear of losing our identity, uh, losing our autonomy, our apparent autonomy. Um, interestingly, fear uh, in Hebrew is prachad, which is uh, one of the names of Geburah. So here again we see that uh, uh, 
force driven by fear is um, sort of the shadow side of Gaborah. We attack those things that threaten us and we continue, as I said, in that labeling of, the, of them as evil and expend a lot of energy doing so. And this energy, um, therefore, isn't directed toward the execution of our true will. It's executed toward uh, protecting the ego's feelings. And uh, it's a waste. Now, on the full attainment of Tefereth, uh, that is, with the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, the adept is centered, balanced in the higher illumination. If you think of the adept at that point as the king, um, and Kether is the light of the angel, the crown, then the king is perfectly seated on the throne, you know, with, with the crown of the higher upon his head. The relationship between adept and angel, uh, however, is just beginning, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to grow that intimacy and, and uh, the full moment-to-moment um, -moment consciousness of that relationship. So the central tasks post knowledge and conversation are to deepen the communion with the angel, to uh, further refine our ability to receive and interpret the instructions of the angel, and to affect a right balance in the psyche between the human ego and its new superconscious contact point. That is, the adept must adapt the Ruach to operate in a fluid fashion, uh, given the breakthrough of briatic consciousness. This is the neshama uh, breaking through into Ruach consciously. Fortunately, uh, we have some guideposts for this, and this corresponds to the, sure enough, to the paths and the tasks that fall to the Adeptus Minor uh, within as he or she moves toward uh, Adeptus Manger in Gaborah. And this is the paths of Mem and Lamed. And once again, we're going to see how these actually relate to the development of increased magical power. Um, now, the path of Mem represents the influx of the strength of Gaborah into the reflective waters of the human intellect at Hode. While the aspiring magician encountered the influence of this path at Hode, it is only after the attainment of Tefereth that the path is worked in full. In the AA, the task of this path is the attainment of the state known as the sleep of Siloam. And uh, you can think of this as a blissful and peaceful union of adept and angel. Um, this attainment reinforces the central lesson of the path of Mem, which uh, is that the adept now knows, without a doubt, that his true master is the holy guardian angel. The ego is positioned very much like the figure in the hanged man Atu, which of course is attributed to the path of Mem. Um, the ego is overturned and receptive to the direct influence of the master's light, the HGA. Um, I just love the paradox here that uh, the first path leading directly into the power of Gaborah from below is one of ego humility and receptivity. These are the very traits that will allow the adept to wield this power with deep conscience and vision. That is, these newly discovered potencies will serve the universal will 
particularized as, as the consciously realized true will of the adept, rather than nefeshic drives or the whims of the small ego. Now let's move on to the path of Lamed, which, as I said, is the other of the two paths um, that lead unto Geburah. Um, this path is attributed to Libra, and it's symbolized by the adjustment Atu. Um, now, the truth of this path, the sort of the mystery of this path, um, which will be increasingly familiar to the adept of Tefereth, his or her every thought, word, and deed will increasingly exact precise and unremitting consequences. I've said this before, I think, in a podcast, but we find, we hear it said often, at least, and it fits with my experience, that the further along the path you go, the less elasticity you find when you inadvertently deviate from it. Uh, in Malkuth, the aspirant might never even notice these deviations, but uh, the further along you go, the, the, the more immediate and sharp are the reminders from call it the universe, call it the angel, call it life, whatever, uh, whenever there's a sidestep. In any case, uh, the path of Lamed, in the form of the adjustment Atu, portrays these karmic laws in action. Um, this, is, this path is the direct linkage between the power of Geburah and the beauty and harmony of Tefereth. And it displays the balance of these potencies, um, the balance that's necessary for their right use. That's the central thesis of this of this talk. Um, the right use of magical power is, therefore, by definition, in accord with the laws of nature and with the true will of the adept given voice by the angel. The Book of Thoth says uh, on the adjustment Atu, this is again a hieroglyph of love is the law, love under will. Every form of energy must be directed must be applied with integrity to the full satisfaction of its destiny. Now, the form of energy is, is the will, and the integrity is the vision of Tefereth that brings with it knowledge of the true will. So, uh, I, I find that very simple uh, sentence or two uh, in the Book of Thoth really encapsulates this very well. Further, we have in Libra Libre, remember that unbalanced force is evil, that unbalanced severity is but cruelty and oppression, but that also unbalanced mercy is but weakness, which would allow and abet evil. Now, uh, it should be apparent, but perhaps not, that um, the, the Adeptus Major, having attained to the sphere of, of Geborah in the path, um, the power that comes from this is only fully accessible when there is knowledge of the true will. It's no accident that we hit Tefereth before we hit Geburah on the path of return, right? Because you can't have full access to the magical power you may wield unless you know exactly the right ends to which it must be directed. In other words... If you don't know your true will, um, you are going to be attempting to direct magical force in ways that are, are not perfectly aligned with universal will, and it won't work as well. 
So you'll be less powerful. It's by definition. Um, how could it be otherwise? How could it be otherwise? Finally, um, in terms of what you do with the power, it should be evident that once you're armed with the, the, the light and vision that come from the knowledge and conversation and the knowledge of true will that that, that brings, um, what are you going to do? You're going to choose to shape your life into something that isn't in accord with your true will after all that work? Uh, no, of course not. The only sensible path for an adept is to build their life into a perfect vessel for that true will. And this is the karma yoga of the adeptus major, the adept of, of Gabura. Um, all our, our surroundings and our, and our life choices and our energetic output, etc., uh, must be directed to the extent we possibly can um, toward the execution of the true will. There's just nothing else that makes sense to do. Um, and what happens after that in terms of the transition to Adeptus Exemptus, we'll have to save for a, a different podcast. But, you know, to put it simply, once you've had knowledge and conversation, the only way to maximize the power now available to you, the only way to experience the full flow of that current of magical force is to do the work that the angel has commanded for you, the work of the true will, carrying forth that angel's word into your life. I've said on another podcast that you are the prophet of your angel uh, living out the will of the angel in your life itself. And here we have this truth presented again. So I hope this discussion has been useful. I recognize that um, that there was a little bit more uh, theory going on here than I typically have in these podcasts, but I, I'm hoping that you can divine the um, the practical utility of of working with these ideas in your life. That you can think about your own power drives. You can think about your own equilibration. You can think about your own experience of aligning your knowledge of true will with that deeply spiritually rooted conscience that comes with true aspiration to your holy guardian angel. As always, if you have comments or suggestions, please contact me at livingthelema at me.com. Uh, you can also visit livingthelema.com for uh, my bio and resources and, of course, we have the Living Thelema page on Facebook, so uh, join us there if you like. And I will look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening.